Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about their starting industry, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing. We have here with us Victor Huhas, or Huhas, of Neocore Games, uh, who are the makers of The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing. Victor, tell us about yourself. Hi everyone, I'm Victor, I'm the a narrative designer and the lead writer um, for The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing. I'm from Hungary, Budapest, and thank you for having me. Thank you for for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. So, regulars of the show will know we have a standard set of uh, questions at the beginning, and then we focus specifically on the game we're here to talk about, which is, of course, Van Helsing. How did you get to start making video games and the like? How did that all kick off for you, to Vic, Victor? Basically, it was a... I could say that it was a long road to get mm. here. As a narrative designer, I basically treat games like they were novels. I usually say that. I work on the plot, the setting, the story, the characters. I can use my background, and this is where I... This is where I come from. I'm a writer and a translator. I translated numerous books from English to Hungarian. And as a writer, I published a couple of short stories and two novels. And basically, as a narrative designer, I sort of do the same. I do or I write games as they were stories, and I write them in English. So, actually, it's, well, the medium is different, but my task is the same, which I'm enjoying a great deal. And I started out as a translator and and a writer about um, 14 years ago, maybe. And by that time, I was also an enthusiastic uh, gamer. So when Neocore and me, um, when our path um, merged, it was, um, well, I only had to do what I did earlier. So my my job, my first job here, was to um, work on a game that they were busy preparing at the time. That was a real-time strategy game called King Arthur. And okay. I, was the, I was the one who... Who, well, got the. I was in charge for, well, basically for everything because the game needed a story, it needed mm-hmm. a script, and we started working together, and it was great. So, it was um, eight years ago. So you can say that I'm I've I spent considerable time here at Neocore, and my task has remained the same, fortunately. I've always felt that the writing, the skill of writing is a relatively, well, there's perceived to be a relatively young um, sort of skill set required for making video games. But I would counter that quite severely by when you think about games like Zork, <laughs> which started <laughs> out life 
It's just text. I mean, I used to play those. Uh, one of the first games I played, computer games specifically, not video games. The first video game I played was, was Pong, but <clears throat> the, the very first sort of, seriously, it was. But the very first sort of computer game I played, one of the earliest ones, was um, a Colossal Adventure, which is basically this big good adventure game that was, was originally developed on a mainframe computer that did simply had you typing in commands, very basic commands, oh, go yes. north, take all, that sort of stuff. Absolutely. But, we have the same, uh, I would say, same experience with mm. the first adventure games because I played them too. Yeah, and I loved them. Even though some of the, the puzzles were not so much difficult, but just bad. Because they, people didn't know how to do design back then. They didn't understand. I mean, it just made them so esoteric and obscure, you couldn't possibly solve them. Um, and that, unless you had, you know, you, you, you thought the, basically the way the author did. But the point I'm making here is that they had to paint pictures with words. Yes. yes. Typically, I mean, later on, certainly when in the early 80s, they started adding graphics and that sort of thing to these games and i experienced it when i played the hobbit um but uh they but up until then it was just text so you had to do everything you could to expand on that so language has been with video games for much longer than people think yes um, i agree absolutely but now their use is very different and there's i think as a reviewer and a writer of of or feature writer um the, the the desire or the need to keep people's attention is the struggle that you you have as well is to you don't want to have a wall of text in front of you <laughs> it's it's yes. you know it's hard to do if you do that there's got to be something wrong and as a as a reviewer i have that by default so i have to use other little tricks and we can talk about it later that you have to do to keep the, the reader's attention otherwise they'll drift off because yes. that's how, because it's video games, you know, attention to <laughs> deficiency disorder is rampant, unfortunately. <laughs> um, we just have to, we just have to accept that. Which leads us on, I think, to my next question, um, which is really about influences and who or what. It doesn't have to be who or a thing. Um, it could be anything. What, what really do you think influences you more than anything in your work? I think that I can answer it's it's really it's really easy to answer this question because I still remember those games which made me which turned me into uh, a gamer, and we just discussed adventure games, and this is where this is where I'm going to um, this is what I'm going to to just explain in more detail because I started out with adventure games, and for me that particular moment when I realized how much I love video games was when I started playing with um, the, with LucasArts games, Monkey Island series, Maniac Mansion, yes. Zach McCracken. They for, were, for me, my own personal my interject, just that the Monkey Island, when you actually you, you, you first leave the set scene and go into the island itself, yes. my jaw just dropped. And, oh, yes. there's way more to this than I thought. Yes. I, yeah, I, still, I still remember that sense of um, the sense of wonder, if yes. I can say that. Yes. Is it possible? Are games just like this? This is yeah. the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you when you start when you start with, with text based adventure games. Yeah. Well, then um, the the fir- even the first LucasArts games were eye openers in plenty of respect mm. and. That was that was the first 
the first stage for me to well, by the first stage for exploring the world of video games, mm. and later I experienced the same thing with RPGs like Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter oh, Nights, yeah. Fallout, Fallout especially. Icewind um, Dale, don't forget Icewind Dale. Icewind Dale. <laughs> yeah. um, Icewind Dale was not my my particular favorite, I think, no, because I found it way too. Um, it was much more like a dungeon crawler. Yeah, and, and there wasn't there interaction between the characters. Yes, either, absolutely. Yeah. Which I really, what I really loved about Baldur's Gate, for example, mm. was that. Or my, I shouldn't forget my absolute favorite, Planescape Torment. Oh yes, the heaven for which was us. Yes, definitely. Yeah, we're on the same wavelength on this one. Yeah, go on. <laughs> that was that was basically like playing through a novel because yes. it was so complex. It had it characters who had who had chemistry and and you could you could influence the story with your decisions. Mm-hmm. So I still I still remember how well, the, all those long hours I spent playing Planescape Torment, for example. So that was the that was the second phase, if I can say so. Second mm. phase of my um I don't know, my video game. Um So what you're saying is so your influences really is the people who've managed to create or produce excellent storytelling through right. through through the medium of, of video games. That's right. Which it, and, many yep. people find as a as a Oxymoron. When it really isn't, everyone. It, it can be done. <laughs> um, luckily, I played these games, so I know I, I know perfectly that it's possible. So mm. that that I still remember how much I, I enjoyed playing these games, and that's the reason why I find storytelling important in games. And I think it's it's entirely possible. Yeah, of course, it has its limitations, but still. You can do it, and and if you do it right, then gamers will um, enjoy that yes. part of the game as well. Not not just the visuals. Story is an important part, an integral part of, of video is. games. So the next part is the next question, the penultimate question in the first section, and we're going to the Van Helsing. Will be what or who? Do you most admire in an industry and why? So, who do you most? Well, it could be a company, could be a person, could be both. But who do you most admire right now? I don't think that I could just give you a list because there mm. are so many people who influenced me. Even it's it's, it's um, it depends on the games. Um, I think because, like I mentioned, LucasArts, so. I have to I have to say that like, Tim Schafer and Ron Gilbert they were mm-hmm. my and they are still yeah they're still, still making games which is fantastic yes. you know a lot yeah. of them have moved it's, it's on really but good. they're still making games uh, they they are on the top of my list but if if I can just um, list companies then I would say well, besides LucasArts I would definitely say Black Isle who did who created Planescape Torment and, and, and Baldur's Gate. So we did, yeah. yeah. Discussing, I'm really, I'm. I guess you, you can say that I really admire Valve and what they did. Um, 
Portal and Portal Two. Just... Portal Two is, I think it's is in is in my I don't know, is I, I can't say that it's the the first on my on my list of favorite games because it's no. changing every time. Yes, <laughs> Portal Two is one of the most astonishing games I I've ever played. I just loved I just loved that game and I I really admire the way how they um, combined storytelling, and here we are again, storytelling and gameplay. It's, yeah. just, it's just that they, they created, um, well, with GLaDOS, they created one of the most iconic um, antagonists, mm-hmm. I think. They did, they did. She is a deeply, deeply disturbed creature, you and I know this. Absolutely. But and in no part of her... Ultimately, she is extremely bad, but you still find her funny. Um, Absolutely. It's, 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 yes, she's a very so, misguided individual. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could say so. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I think I think that 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 Valve um, deserves all the credit mm. they get, and I think that nowadays I'm really um, this is the part. Where I'm really um, so this is the part where I can't list exact names. I could list games that I find uh, important that mm. I would regard as as important um, experience. Um, it depends because there are fortunately new games coming out each month, and I really really like um, exploring the field and I always find something new something that 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 makes me realize that how much can be done um, just a current example would be the Stanley parable which I yeah that's hilarious for all the wrong reasons uh, <laughs> and I actually bought it today on the steam sales which you and I also know is evil, um, but uh, in a good way. And my pile of shame just grows and grows and grows. But uh, I bought it today, and uh, I'm so looking forward to playing it over the, the Christmas period. It's it's, uh, it's a great game, and it's yeah. and here we are again storytelling. For me, it's really important because, and I don't, I really don't want to spoil anything. But this no, game is no. about the power of storytelling. Yes, and and the simple, the sheer fact that they. They pulled it off. It's incredible. Just about. That's the thing. It's always on the brink of not working. That's why it works. Because it's yes. always on the brink of this isn't going to work. So this is, this is the reason why it's really hard for me yeah. to, to list influences. Because, yes, I have these, these um, the classic influences, like yeah. Black Isle and Bold and, and LucasArts. But luckily, there are new influences and new things to admire. Yeah. every year which, which is, is it's just fantastic isn't it we're, yes. it's we're uh, it's just an amazing time you know, I asked me 10 years ago and it's it's, it's completely different it's totally different yes, now. it is it is and all all the people making projections didn't have a clue no didn't no. have a clue and uh, that they predicted the death of pc gaming how yep. fantastically wrong was everyone honestly <laughs> about Seven or eight, eight years ago, yeah, I, I couldn't have predicted this. No, no, Although I'm, I'm not, not I'm not really an expert on the field. I no, think, no. but um, 
I'm really glad that all the predictions that they had at that time didn't, didn't come become, to pass. Yeah, but eventually. in like complete inverse of what they were saying. Yes. So this is this next last question really feeds in because into your, into what we're going to talk about because I like to ask this question of developers because I believe it it, it indicates the kind of game that they're making. So what are you playing other than your own game, of course? What, what what's <laughs> occupying your time? I just finished um, the Stanley Parable. The other day. All right, okay. Uh, don't say anything, please don't. No, I don't want to spoil anything. And <laughs> it's like spoiling Gone Home. Don't do that. <laughs> and Gone Home was another game I played recently. So oh. I'm nowadays I'm really um, into these well so called experimental indie indie games. Yeah. Um, so both both games uh, are quite fresh for me mm-hmm. and that's why they that's why they they occupy my thoughts nowadays and now i just started the the new game from telltale the fables adventure the wolf okay. among us wolf among us yes people have been and telling me to play that should i play that i think you should definitely well okay. first of all i'm i'm biased because i love fables the comic series so okay. i'm really i was really looking forward to this title because um, it's really interesting to to see what mm. or how uh, this will going to turn out, and um, I can't really say much about the game because I, I just I just started. So, but so yeah. far, it's um, it's great. Looks mm-hmm. great. It has absolutely it absolutely has the atmosphere that I know um, that I'm familiar with uh, from the comics which is a huge plus uh, in my book. And I think it's a good adventure game, and I like adventure games. As Are you, you going to try The Walking Dead? I mean, I'm, um, sure. I'm really planning to, to play The Walking Dead. Um, one of the reasons is that, as I mentioned, I, I translate um, books, and I also okay. translate... I'm also translating The Walking Dead comics into Hungarian. So you can say that um, as a... You know, I have a professional curiosity how the game... Those books are more about language than what's actually drawn, in my my opinion. You might disagree, but... And I think it's true, yes. I think there's a lot of inflection of words. In fact, sometimes a single word can pivot a character from being convivial to, quite frankly, antagonistic yes. to the point of death. Yes. And uh, is that difficult to do? When you do it in translation, because the language is very, both languages are very different, aren't they? Am I being ignorant yes. here? Um, I don't yeah. want to be. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's um, it's the difficulty and the charm. Right. Of this job. So yeah. this is why I I really love uh, translating books yeah. because it's um it's a challenge that never gets boring and it's never. It's it's never the same. No, I mean English isn't the greatest language in the world. It isn't. I know that. I'm, I'm only, it's it's weird. You know that because you can look at it objectively. It's not your first language. So I, I'm, I'm, I've always got the opinion that it's just this odd language, just meshed up of many, 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 many other languages. And you're just like, and we don't care if it morphs into something else. We don't care. Like, oh, this this word means something else now. Does it? Yeah, it would be right. Or it means multiple meanings you know 
and it's like and it's it's but it's all in the timing and where it is in a sentence it's what's what matters yep and, and a comma a comma does actually matter because it gives you pause and gravitas and that is <laughs> oh, why it's there don't, don't get me started on commas <laughs> in the english language <laughs> yeah the yeah, is, yeah i think you just listed all the reasons why i i love the English language and why I like working or writing in English or translating books from English to Hungarian. Because and, yeah, so yeah. it's it's crazy. The, the, as, a, as a native speaker of it, even I understand it's weird. <laughs> I know it's weird. Um, it doesn't make um, a lot of sense. Actually, if you if you speak Hungarian, for example, well, this is the part where people. <clears throat> how strange your native language is so mm-hmm. i'm really i'm really used to i'm really not used to um hearing oh, that english is strange um what i'm what i hear quite often is how strange hungarian is <laughs> <laughs> um I, i'm not familiar with those languages in that region in Eastern Europe. I know I hate to clump it together like that, but they are. There's commonalities, is there not? So it's it's fair to do it. Um, <clears throat> but I do know they they have um, uh, unique aspects to them, just as English does, and just as any European language does. Um, so thanks, Roman. Um, <laughs> thanks to <for laughs> Romans and their Latin. Thanks for them. <laughs> a language that no longer even exists anymore, yet we still use it. As a core structure. <laughs> and on that note, let's move on to the uh, second half, which we talk about the incredible adventures of Van Helsing. encountered this game in Gamescom 2012 I did I was there walking around and like what's that <laughs> I like Diablo sorry but you know it's like oh that looks that looks a bit like oh and then I got really interested because it's Van Helsing which is even more awesome so um, beyond that superficial explanation there tell us what, what the game's about <clears throat> well the incredible adventures of Van Helsing is an action RPG set in an in an alternative Europe, somewhere around the end of 19th century. And this is about Van Helsing, the, the son of the famous monster hunter, who is also a monster hunter himself, who is required to do quite the opposite what his father used to do. He has to travel to the eastern regions of this alternative Europe, to a land called Borgovia, where the monsters ruled. They ruled this land for quite a long time until the elder Don Helsing Sr. put an end to the reign of terror. And now our protagonist, Van Helsing, has to take sides with the monsters themselves to save the land from something even more terrible. And this is where we start the game, we reach Borgovia, and we, as monster hunters, also as we try to 
try to decipher what's going on in this land. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Van Helsing has to fight through hordes and hordes of monsters, as you usually do in an action RPG, with his uh, faithful and loyal sidekick, a ghost lady called Lady Katarina. Yes, and she is, yeah, a very interesting individual. We'll talk about her later, but um... yeah, this, this is this, this is where you this is where you find yourself mm-hmm. in the first minutes of the game, and it's an exploration of Borgovia, where mad scientists rule instead of monsters, and with this new age of science that they unleashed on the land, there came a new wave of terror, the terror of mad science, which has, um, well, that has some dark aspects. Yeah, so you've got a steampunk thing, I hate using that phrase, but it's got definitely got that, that uh, atmosphere with it, where you've got these I, mechanical I usually, devices. Yes, we, we have lots <clears throat> and lots of monsters, because, mm-hmm. of course, we have, we have traditional monsters, and we have strange, twisted creatures from the strange laboratories. I usually, we use plenty of elements that, that was um, made popular by steampunk, uh, works of steampunk, but I usually, I usually refer to Van Helsing as mad scientist punk, because uh, we have so many things that you usually see in, in the classic horror movies. We have sparkling electricity, we have steam, we have um, strange um, magical powers. It's all, it's all sort of like um, definitely turn of the 20th century yes, technologies on the cusp of, you know, Tesla yes. coils and that sort of thing. Or, or that's, that's, that's that kind of that place where... We hadn't got into post-First World War, which when that happened, you and I know, if you're, history, if you're a history buff, you'd know that that was a big turning point for yes. all sorts of things. And then there's the reason why you and I now were well, talking to each other thousands of miles apart, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, which, yes. you know, even six and ten years ago would be like, you know, heresy. Yes. But um, so that's you've got that lovely setting. And it's got this action Thank adventure, you. and it does, and it throws you in. It doesn't hold back. I mean, most uh, RPGs I've encountered, they ease you in gently. Not this one. No, it, it's <laughs> you can. It 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 goes full in. Like it, it assumes a lot on the player. Like you've done this before. You know, it's like the recent Zelda. Like the recent Zelda game on the 3DS. It just says, "Look, this is a Zelda game. You know what to do. Off you go." I'm not going to tell you what to do. Just go. And it's great because it's just it's so it all of a sudden that lexicon that 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 sort of um, vernacular of, of gameplay you understand that you don't need to be handheld from this you're okay just you know what to do you know what's going to happen here you're going to get monstered if you don't be careful and it's what this game is very much that you know yes. you you are pretty powerful but not that powerful um, and that's that's really quite refreshing you, the pace really slows down. When I first started playing that, I, I was barreling through it like I thought. I initially kicked off in the same pace that I would do every other action. I, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I toned it down really quick when I realized that, my God, I can get killed really easily in this game. Um, so. That was 
Well, basically, when we decided to call this game The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing, that sort of implied that we are going to offer you a fast-paced adventure in yeah. the yeah. classical sense of the word, mm-hmm. where you are just in the middle of events happening around you, and we wanted the players feel, I could say, the flow, the flow mm-hmm. of events, that this is a hectic time in a very hectic place, and you are a monster hunter who mm-hmm. is, um, well, who has the responsibility to to stand his ground even even in these chaotic circumstances. So, yeah. um, and as an action RPG, we it it's really difficult because you have to you have to reach those gamers who never played uh, any action RPGs ever mm-hmm. and you have to you have to make a fun game for those who I don't know who played Diablo 3 just the other day yeah. so it's really hard to find mm. that spot where you just for me what I was so impressed with and you're right to find that sweet spot between new player and old and familiar to people who are like just venturing into this new realm because they might be drawn for example to the topic at hand i.e the theme the the, the van helsing they're like oh i've, I've, I've read about him I, i've read bram stoker's vampire stuff and all well, this this sounds like fun and it's 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 hard to, to balance that but i think what really drew me to, there's two things the, the the sidekick which is the ghost and she's she's really funny um, <laughs> thank you and, <laughs> and we love her uh, we love her we simply yeah. adore her and uh, I've got to ask I've got to ask her about her later on, but uh, before we go into too much detail. But the other thing was the amount of detail in the the skill trees and stuff. And that's not your personal um, expertise, but just feedback to the rest of your, your your team there is that it's amazing. It's just so deep. Thank you, thank you. So I think, deep. Just, I think know. the reason for that is that I, I think I can say that the whole team here is. Well, everyone is a huge fan of action RPGs. Mm-hmm. So this means that when we decided to create an action RPG, we wanted to do a game that we would love to play ourselves. And the reason for the details is basically that everyone here had the need to to explore the possibilities so that's why we created a system that goes really deep. And, and I'm really glad that it worked out for you. I, I, for me personally, because I love that, because it means it gives empowers the player to play as they want to and not how the game wants to play them. I yes. don't like it when the game starts playing me rather than the other way around. I don't like that. And Still, if, I'm, yep. yeah, if I'm giving customers... No, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the good thing, I think, is that you can play Van Helsing on this level, but you can just jump right in, in, in the middle as a, as a casual player, so you don't have to explore those depths, but still, no. you can if you want to, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great thing. So, my next question to you is specifically, um, when the game opens up, there's a wonderful intro sequence, and you go across this lovely map of this world. And when I first of all I looked at it, I thought, this looks a bit weird, because I didn't know that it was set in this <laughs> alternate Europe. And like, 
That's not what that's called. <laughs> but why is that place? What is that? And and you realise that it's this alternate re- reality, this alternate universe. Yes. My ultimate question is, and it's really quite blunt to you: Why? What's what's wrong with our own past? It's just it's a big devil's advocate. I know why you did it, but I want you to expand on <laughs> on why. Why did you go this way? Why alternate reality? Um. One of the main reasons was that if you have a game about a fictional character, you you have to um, show that this world where you are going to play is a fictional universe in itself. So when we decided to to create a game about the fictional monster hunter Ben Helsing and well. It's about his son to make things even more complicated. But logical steps to to show the difference was to to put it in in an alternative Europe. And then, as it turns out, that there are weird scientists and strange machines and magic and monsters. It was really, really logical to to put it into a totally alternative version to our Europe. It's not that different, so you can... No, you can and, always... and you've got, I mean, the geography or the land masses are the same, I think. Yes, and the, <clears throat> the big cities are the same, but we wanted to make it very clear from the start that this is not our word. So this way we didn't have to explain how is it possible, because we mentioned pacing, when, when the pacing is so quick, you really don't have time to explain the tiny differences. You have to show, you have to show that this is where you are. This, this is not our world. So you you can expect almost anything to happen, and then yeah. some things will happen eventually. And this way, we could we could mix so many fantastical elements. Into the in, into the setting, like magic and 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 potions and lots of things that you expect to to see in an action RPG. Most action RPGs are are usually set in a fantasy world or at least in a world which is quite fantastic. Indeed, and, um... and this 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 was our way to show you the gamers that. This is the, this is a word where you will find plenty of similarities, but don't expect it to be the same word that you know from your history classes. I think the most telling of that is your sidekick, who yes. is a ghost that communicates with you and others around her, and boy does she! Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that what struck me was when you were trucking around a village or something. They would say, "Oh, look, they've got a ghost. That's nice." Like, whereas in our reality, we're like, "I'm sorry, I'm just losing my mind. Am I yes. seeing things? You know, these yes. things don't really exist." Or as a discussion for another time, but it's like it, 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 it the reality, the conceit, and that's not a negative way of the game is that this isn't our reality. This is another alternate universe, which actually has proven these things actually exist in multiple universes. Yes, apparently. Mathematically, they can be proven to exist. So this is where it is. So all the rules of physics and and, and reality is, as they know, are very different to ours. 
Yep. So, hence, so I want to ask about um, Katarina. I want to ask about her because one of the things I want to explore in this show is really about how games have developed. And I want to know about this specific character. Was she always there? Or did you have <laughs> a, a pantheon of, or a whole cast of characters that you were going to select from? Was she always that person? No, it, it's a really... It's a really interesting question because um, first, well, first we knew that we should, or you as, as a player, should have a companion. And we also knew that it, this, this companion should, um, should, do cer- should be able to do certain things for you. So first we, we had this idea to to give you a pet, a traditional pet. But mm-hmm. we, we, we felt that there's just more to it. This whole setting is because if we decide to put this game into in, in an alternative version of Europe, then there must be certain other possibilities, more interesting possibilities. And then we just discarded the idea of a traditional pet. Uh, although for a while we, we toyed with the idea of giving Van Helsing giant raven because that's that felt so gothic. Yeah, yes. that makes sense. Very, very emo. Nicely done. Uh, yeah. It's such a gothic... Um, gothic. Or indeed you could have given him a murder of crows, like a great yes. host of crows that he summons from, from the air and they sort of descend upon creatures. That would have been interesting. So, so we, we had this idea, but we felt that, that we, could, we could expand the concept. And then suddenly I think that there was just one, one. No, I think that 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 we jumped straight to the to the part where we decided to have a have a ghost, because okay. a ghost. I, I think there was a there was a very short period when we when we thought that you might have um, maybe um, a shape or on a or or a. Some something, I don't know, sheer sheer energy, a globe of energy maybe, and that was just you know one step away, and we found our ghost because that's that's where you end up with this line of thought. And when we when we realized that this is this is the word in, in yeah. Bulgaria, you have the the traditional monsters, and by traditional I mean the monsters you know from Gothic novels and and. Uh, old horror movies, werewolves and vampires. And yeah, everything from um, Cthulhu. <laughs> yes. To, well, to... He, well, he, he, he's not there, but... <laughs> he's not, I'm not, but he's, an, he's kind of one of those massive old one beasts, you know, like you know, really, really bad, I mean, soul-eating thing. Absolutely. To, his, to a werewolf. Um, yeah, I understand. Yeah. And, that's what I'm saying, just that scale. From yes. from old one right up to or down to if you will, werewolf. <laughs> and and then, when when we when we realize that we can we can have a ghost in the game, yeah. sidekick, it basically everything just clicked because a ghost can change shapes, uh, a ghost can fly away, um, a ghost you you can send a ghost away, you can ask the ghost to stay still in case you don't want the help of your sidekick and you want to do all your battles alone. And then we realized that a sidekick, a ghost sidekick, you can have 
conversations with your ghost sidekick. And yeah. then it really, really started to 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 click again because um, at that part, at, at, at that phase of development, uh, I realized that we, we could make this... Um, there are lots of twists and turns in Van Helsing and and we play a lot with we play a lot with traditional tropes. So we could have a twist on this very popular cop body show type of cliches where you have two characters who are forced to forced to work together. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, well, they've um, been around for decades, you know. Um, yes. And we they could come name, from yeah. from very well they come literally from different parts of the world and one of them is a ghost and she's from Borgovia and she's what usually a hunter would hunt. So there is this tension that what are what are they uh, what are they doing together? So there are questions and the differences between between their characters makes the dynamics. It creates a dynamic between the protagonist and the sidekick, and from that from that point, we we had Lady Katarina, who I think the, in the very early sketches, I wanted her to be uh, a male ghost, uh, a very traditional, proud Eastern European nobleman, mm-hmm. nobleman, and then it just I think some someone just asked it. Why? Why should it be a, a he? Yeah. Let's do, let's do this properly. Then let's let's use let's use the opposites. And so Lady Katarina was born. So and, this haughty, you know, high and mighty woman <laughs> who's very dead, and yes. you know she's still around. I mean, that's the other question. Like, I mean, if I was Van Helsing, I'd constantly be saying, "Do you know that light you're avoiding?" Just go. <laughs> There's this big. You, you can see it. I can't, but you can. Go on. Off you go. And you know and that sort of thing. I mean, those sort of jokes. I would actually. Um, um, one of the out. one of the main ideas uh, during development was to to create a larger than life, dark but still witty and and sarcastic game. So Van Helsing, uh, well, Van Helsing could be a very serious game about. Killing monsters in a dark, in a dark setting, but we wanted to preserve. Um, we wanted to preserve that sarcastic tone that we always wanted to use because this is this is an incredible word. This this whole word is impossible. So we wanted. Yeah, no, it's nuts. <laughs> Absolutely, and we wanted to. But when we when we realized that. And, and this was one of the core ideas from the very beginning. We wanted to to include the fun factor, the sarcastic dry humor, into every possible segment. And this is where, why the conversations between Van Helsing and Lady Katarina are what they are. They are constantly. They are like sometimes they, like yeah they are bickering. They are like an old couple. They are. They are like a married couple. Yes. Only one of them has some, happens to be dead. Yes, <laughs> and they are not and they are not married at all. <laughs> no, there, there is that so, too. Yeah. So I'm really I'm really happy that that it worked for you because it 
it it shows that we could we could create what we wanted to create and this is this is a great this is a great thing to to experience so lady katarina is is um as i as i said earlier we really love lady katarina i think the um she's one of those characters who well uh, a favorite uh, favorite here for for of everyone who who has been working on the game, <laughs> which is a rare thing, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my fourth question, well, my next question, which I think we touched on before, is about the rise of narrative in video games because historically they were seen as point chasers. But we've already established that, but that isn't strictly true. Um, you know, yes, Space Invaders and Pac-Man had its place. In fact, they're very important, influential games. Not necessarily good games, but influential. Um, but then you have, you know, stuff like now we've talked about Gone Home, we've talked about um, Portal. But there's also stuff like Proteus, which is kind of a story in that it's what the player experiences more than the, more than have you. And then also there's Dear Esther as well. Yes. Um, so my, my my question to you really is: Do you think that video games are finally turning that corner, especially in the last maybe two years or so? Where you're seeing these games actually embracing seeing the video games as a medium to tell a story rather than the other way around. I think that I think the tendency is is definitely here. So I think that the storytelling becomes is becoming um, more important than it used to be, and I think it's it's great, and not only because it's my job to no, no, tell stories. But as a player, as a, as a gamer, I I enjoy playing with games that have proper stories, which is a really hard thing to accomplish because there are certain limitations and there are things that you just can't really do. And there are genres where you, you will face even more limitations. Uh, but... Still, it's a good thing that, as far as I see, more and more games incorporate story, storytelling elements. And I really hope that this is a tendency that will just go on and yeah. all even more possibilities. To where, where appropriate. I mean, we don't want to see FIFA have a story. Okay, FIFA is great. <laughs> Just <laughs> do your football thing. You're awesome at that. But uh, when you start bolting on a story, no, no. We have football manager for that. Stop that, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, so my last question to you is specifically about Van Helsing and its story structure. So storytelling in games is different than other mediums, in my opinion, anyway. It doesn't have to be 100% linear. You know, they, can have, they all have a beginning, but they have middles and they have ends um, in plural. So does Van Helsing exploit this in any way, or does it follow a more traditional linear path? If the latter is true, why is that? So this is really about the structure of the story for Van Helsing. Is it is it multilinear or is it is it singular? Um, Van Helsing is more more singular, although you have plenty of side quests and choices where you right. can you can influence the the outcome. Of, of the events, but I, I think it, it's it's more linear because one of those limitations that we discussed earlier um, is the 
genre itself, action RPGs are not surprisingly about action. And it's really hard to find the balance between giving you action and giving you um, choices from from a, a, a traditional role-playing game, for example. So we were experiencing... We, didn't really dare to experiment that much in Van Helsing. So it's it's much more linear with possible choices you can make, but um, it doesn't have different endings, for example. It has one ending, but mm-hmm. you, can, you can choose your own pathway to that, to that one ending. And this is what we are experimenting with while we are um, developing... Van Helsing 2, we want to create a more complex story, a story where you have more more ways to to steer off that linear path. So I really think that there are opportunities here and we are going to to use these opportunities to give players an even more complex story in the second part because now we know that the first part well we know how we created the first part and we we had plenty of uh, experience with the linear storytelling and now we are certain that now we could try to to make it more complex. Is so, it a trilogy? Is it planned for a trilogy or? Yes, it is. It is it's a trilogy. Yeah. Uh, although all parts, the second part, uh, could be played uh, as a standalone game. So you don't yeah. have to yeah. know. You don't have to be familiar with the first with the first part. Although, as it usually goes, it's more fun if you if you play it through the first the first part. But still, it's not a not a requirement. You can just jump right in, and we are planning to do the same with the third part. But it's just, and we'll see what future holds. Now we are focusing on on the second part. We are right in the middle of development. We are quite busy, mm. so so storytelling and the enhancement of storytelling in the second part is one of the key elements of development right now okay so where can you buy the first one is it's from your own website and also you can buy it from steam as well yes you can you can, you can buy it buy it from steam from the steam store mm-hmm. um and it's on yep. it's on pc windows linux and mac i can't remember um it's on pc and and mac right uh um i'm i well i think we were discussing a Linux version, but I don't want to to say anything stupid. No. So we just, you know, and, uh, I said it very, very quietly. <laughs> any other ports for any other systems at all? Um, um, basically, if it's, you can't say that's yeah, cool, but yeah, yeah. Um, there are there are there are very very um, serious plans, right? But uh, I don't really know if I can if, no. I, if I can. That's so, so. That, that's fair enough. It's just it's something I I have to broaden my audience because you know the amount of platforms are out there now. Everything from my brand new iPhone 5s, yes, I have one, and yeah. um, and uh, to um, a tablet, an Android tablet, and and right through to well the Xbox One and PS4, for example. I mean that these are new platforms that 
no doubt we'll see um, a lot of attention from yeah. people like yourself. I really hope that um, there are people out there who who will now decide to at least check up on it. Yeah, do that. It's great fun. I, I can I can vouch for that. Lots of DLC as well. It's good stuff. And um, you you constantly- we have just um, we have just released the the complete pack. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's important to mention the yeah. complete pack includes all the DLCs that we've been publishing since the since the publication of the the basic game. Mm-hmm. So um, it has lots and lots of extra material. Like, and the most important is that you have classes. You can play Van Helsing with free available classes, and there are. Tons of, tons of other, other enhancements like enhancements for Lady Katarina and and new items as usually as it usually goes. So the complete pack offers uh, all the DLCs you 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 well that we put out on the market so far. Excellent. So it's okay. quite new. Well, thank you very much, Victor, for your time. Thank you very much uh, and for the been, opportunity. It's been really, really good chatting to you, and I wish you the best of luck in the future of developing. Thank you very much. Van, Thank you Van very Helsing, much. Van Helsing Two. Be looking forward to seeing that sometime in the future uh, on whatever platforms you eventually will launch it on. <laughs> um, and uh, if you want to listen to more shows like this, then leave us an iTunes review, and uh, that will raise our profile, and we get more shows and more people come on. It's a circular thing, people. So just leave reviews and that sort of thing and then you know our, our ratings go up and more people want to come on it's great not that people don't have coming on because we've got loads of people coming on in the future it's wonderful stuff and uh, if you want to send feedback or, or suggest people you want me to talk to then email tsf at spong.com again victor thank you very much for your time thank you very much for having me thank you bye bye, bye. bye.